Fortnite in Film is a podcast where every week you get the chance to listen in on a group of film lovers chatting about the great, or not so great, movies that we've been watching over the past fortnight. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Fortnite in Film. I'm your host, Jason. I am your co-host, Christian. Thanks for tuning in. Heads up, the films we're about to discuss may contain spoilers. For a list of the movies we cover this week, check out the description. So, let's kick it off with my pick, which is another classic film. I feel like I'm picking a lot of like classic films lately that sit up there very highly with film lovers. You, you picked the film bro. I know. <laughs> it's the king of film bro movies, basically. <laughs> So uh, that film is Pulp Fiction, um, 1994, directed by Quentin Tarantino. has quite a big cast, uh, but the main actors and actresses are probably uh, John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Uma Thurman, and Bruce Willis. Um, there's a couple other people in there, like Tim Roth and Ving Rams, but um, it mostly revolves around those four people. So I'll attempt to give a plot synopsis. It's quite confusing because... I don't even know. I can't believe you're bothering, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, the narrative is not linear. It's told, like, out of order. But I'll attempt to give a quick and hopefully coherent uh, summary. So there's two hitmen uh, called Jules and Vincent, and they work for this gangster called Marcellus, and they go and kill people, uh for trying to double cross Marcellus uh, and at the same time Marcellus is I guess involved in like um, match fixing or something because he's, he's trying to get a boxer who's played by Bruce Willis to purposefully lose uh, in in this boxing match so Vincent who's one of the hitmen uh, who's played by John Travolta uh, goes and buys heroin Marcellus goes out of town and he's uh Vincent sort of asked to you know look after uh Marcellus's girlfriend Mia who is played by uh Uma Thurman and you know take her out and show a good time sort of thing Mia takes the heroin thinking it's cocaine overdoses she comes back to life while this is happening Butch who is the uh boxer basically double crosses Marcellus and takes the money and runs off and when he goes back to his house, Vincent's there waiting to kill him, and Butch kills Vincent. Uh, by sheer coincidence, uh, Marcellus and Butch run into each other. Then they get taken into a pawn shop where all sorts of weird shit goes down. Uh, they escape. The narrative sort of jumps back in time where Vincent and Jules, who is played by Samuel L. Jackson, accidentally kill this guy and uh, Marcella sends someone over to fix it and clean it up so we don't get caught. Vincent and Jules uh, go to a diner and then the film sort of picks up from where the start of a film began. So at the start of a the film, there's this couple, a criminal couple who were saying, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to rob everyone in the restaurant. And the end of the film sort of catches up to that point. Um, they attempt to rob everyone in the restaurant. Uh, Jules sort of talks them down, you know, stops them from robbing anyone or killing anyone. So that was a film. It's probably a really shitty explanation because I feel like it's just something you have to watch and experience <laughs> to um, to grasp it. Yeah, that's a good explanation. That's 
Better than I could have pulled off, I think. It surprised me how much I like this film. So I haven't seen a lot of Tarantino films. And originally I had this at three and a half stars. So I think the only other Tarantino films I've seen are uh, Inglorious Bastards and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, both of which I also gave three and a half stars. Um, but then I thought about Pulp Fiction a bit more and I was like, actually, you know, it was a pretty good movie. So I upped my rating to four stars. So I, I, I thought it was great. It had its problems, but I thought overall it was a pretty good movie. What did you think? Oh, that was a classic um, for a reason. I loved it. And I, I remember liking it and then my appreciation for it diminishing over the years because I I was, got sick of people talking about it. You hear about it enough and you're like, okay, it wasn't that good, you know. But no, I, I rewatched it. I'm like, no, nah, this is it's a fucking great movie. Um, and, and no wonder everyone likes it so much. It's not as long winded as a lot of his later projects became because I think he became obsessed with like long winded, like diatribes between characters that have like an explosive finish in some way. But, um, but even now in this film, you can, you can kind of see this um, talent that Tarantino has for collecting a script of really, really, really great memorable lines and then casting the people who are perfect to deliver them. And that's one of the, that's one of the best pulls of his, uh, his movies they're very creative i love this kind of like continued alternate universe thing he has going on it's like a garden bed for theories um of of speculation and conjecture of like you know what what was the intention and stuff and and here the best example probably of any of his works is the golden briefcase my you know i i never really looked into it i just always assumed it was like a, a nameless MacGuffin, and that that itself was kind of a meta homage to cinema and that's that's always what i settled on but then my wife, my wife walked in when I was walking, watching half of it. And it was right around the time where Marcellus is talking to Butch. Um, and you had that, that it, she's, she's talking about the briefcase and she goes, you know, that's his soul, right? I'm like, what? what are you talking about? I've never, I had never heard that one before. And, uh, and then she goes, yeah, watch, it's going to show the back of his head and it shows the back of Marcellus Wallace's head. And there's a bandaid on his neck. And she goes, yeah, that's where they took a soul out. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? So I Google it, and that's like the most popular theory about what it is, that that Marcella sold his soul to the devil, and he wanted it back. And so they went to collect it, and like his soul is extracted through his neck. And, and, and I'm like, this is so bizarre, which is why it's probably true. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, see, I, I never thought of that. Cause, I, mean, I, I was going to look up what was in the briefcase, but like you, I thought if it was anything meaningful, like Tarantino would have shown it. So I thought, I'm not even going to look it up. I just, it's just it's, it's not that important. But now, now you see that theory, I'm like, that actually makes sense. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I still buy them. I think it was always meant to just be kind of a meta MacGuffin. And that's all it was ever supposed to be. It's just it's a collection of great scenes, not in order. Um, it's jumbled up in a way where I feel like for maximum impact of the final scene where it ties back into that diner and it just kind of takes a few characters and then goes through their whole backstory and how they're connected. And, um, I just thought the script was very clever. Um, it's just such a unique film, even kind of among his stuff, because it's so well-rounded. Like a lot of his other works, he leans really heavy into like one obsession of his, you know, like kill bill. He, he really loves that like exploitation film kind of thing. Hateful eight. That was him, right? Yeah. Hateful eight. Um, he's really heavy into the dialogue, which he does a lot with Django Unchained too. Um, and Inglorious Bastards does that. And 
I don't know. It just felt like a really good kind of balanced mix of all his eccentricities. It really just showed how great he is as a filmmaker. Um, yeah, I wish I could find like a bunch of things to just tear down this movie about because I'm sick of film bros. But it really is just a fucking great movie. I mean, you, you've seen more Tarantino movies than I have. Would you Would you say it's his best? Honestly, in terms of just the Tarantino style, I want to say if I if I had to vote on a best movie, and I haven't seen all of them, but I think I've seen most of them. I, I'm on the fence between Django and uh, and Glorious Bastards. I do. I am long overdue for a Kill Bill rewatch, though. So keep that in mind. Very long overdue. It's been a long time. Um, I think this is one of his best movies, certainly in the upper tier. Um, it just feels so unmistakably like a Tarantino film. But uh, I don't know. Django and Inglorious Bastards were. I, I thought they were masterpieces. I really did. I still do. They're, they're fantastic movies. Um, it's just because it, it's just it's just him turned up to an 11 with both those movies. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I loved, but it's, I don't know, it's, it's not all of it is as memorable for some reason. It, it's, it's a great movie overall, but it had some parts where I kind of like, I had, to, I had to like really struggle to kind of get through it. Nah, I don't know that even that's harsh saying it's, it's still a great movie. I don't know. Uh, what did you, what did you, did, did you, did you say like you had some issues with it though? Oh, I mean, like overall, like I said, I thought it was a great film. I did have a little, you know, like it wasn't perfect to me. So I gave it four stars, but it, it was, I mean, so I start off with some, some compliments. So I think like you said, I thought the script was, was really great. Um, it actually made me laugh at point, which is hard to do. Um, cause it, 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 it wasn't explicitly a comedy film, right? It was like drama, crime, comedy, like it wasn't an outright comedy, but it did actually make me laugh throughout, which was the comedy of the situation. They're not telling jokes or one-liners, but it's the comedy of the situation and the comedy of, of just how outlandish some of these characters are. Like the, what is his name? The wolf. Yeah. Win- Winston wolf. Yeah. Yeah. And all he did was t- boss him around and tell him what to do. <laughs> But he was just such a big personality, you know? I mean, all the acting I thought was great. Like, I can't really fault anyone. You know, I thought Travolta was good. Jackson was good. Furman was good. You know, Bruce Willis, I didn't... Because I've only really seen him in stuff like Die Hard, which I loved. But I haven't seen him really do, like, a dramatic thing. And not that this was, like, pure drama. But I, he did impress me with, I guess, his his range in this. Um, when he wasn't just being, you know, an out-and-out action star. Um, and I think, you know, Winston Wolf, who was played by Harvey Keitel, I thought he was really good, even though he just had a, you know, he was only, he was only a movie for a brief time, but I thought when he came in, it was like, oh, it's a really good. The narrative structure was interesting. You know, I've, I've probably honestly seen better films that do this, where it's like interweaving, you know, there's a group of people and you're like, oh, well, how do they all connect? I and mean, then they all eventually interweave with each other. I've probably seen that done better. Okay. Give me an example. Not shot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> put you on the spot you mean exactly what what movie has done that better not that i don't agree with you i'm just wondering if you can name one yeah so one i would comes to the top of my head and i also gave this four stars so i'm not saying it's necessarily a better movie but it does stand out to me because it, it does this is um brooklyn's finest oh, i've never seen that yeah that's one where it has i don't know if it's three or four characters and they sort of get told, you know, separate stories and you think, well, how are they going to link up? And then they will do it at the end. And it's, that's, that one's always stuck with me where like it's separate people, but their stories interweave in, the, in a really good way. Um, so that, that would be one. Um, and even, you know, even something like, because this obviously started, like it started at the, 
at the end as such, I mean, it caught up to that point. You know, it, it was an interesting and unconventional enough narrative structure to where it interested me. And, you know, in, in, in all, it, all, it all synced up at the end, which I thought was good. Um, because, you know, you started in that diner and then instantly, I mean, you never see him again to the end of the movie. And so the whole time you're thinking, okay, how are these people? Because, you, you, like, you're never going to at some point. You're never going to play a part. You're like, how does this sync up? So when, it, when the end happens and back in the diner, you have that, light bulb moment you're like oh i get it now you know, this is how it's gonna work the music i thought was fantastic it was banging oh totally i mean even even from the absolute start when like it had like pulp fiction and then like the song uh miserly or miserly have you say it started like that was great and actually that um when it, the dance scene yeah <laughs> pretty right. famous scene that chuck mm-hmm. berry song that's been stuck in my head like all week like shout out to chuck berry that's like two films that he's had like killer songs in johnny b good in back to the future also a very iconic scene i i have to say too i i'm not a travolta fan but this is probably my favorite travolta role i I, i'd I'd agree with that yeah he just he was great in this and i usually don't think he's very great in many things (laughs) yeah even someone like uma Furman, i don't think i've seen her in much if any stuff but i thought she was she was she was good in this i haven't seen her in a while i wonder what she's doing these days she was married to Ethan Hawke once upon a time. Yeah, she's really good in this. Uh, there, everyone was great in this. Yeah, I didn't have any problems with anyone. The performances are great. It's, it's, it. This is one of those examples where having a star-studded cast didn't hurt the film. And just quick shout out to the the person in the diner, who was like Marilyn Monroe. Like she looked exactly like her. Like I had to do a double take. I'm like, yeah. is that Marilyn Monroe back from the dead? Like, is she here? <laughs> like, but spot on. Um. In terms of what I didn't like, it was a long film, so it's just a bit over two and a half hours. And I get that, you know, the way the story is told, it probably needs to be long. But there were times it did lose my interest. I mean, it didn't happen. It didn't happen often, but it did happen. And that whole pawn shop scene, that just was. It was just fucking weird, and it just took me out of it. It was weird, but it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be jarring and strange and bizarre and shocking. Yeah, I felt like it just took me out of the movie because I felt like we were in. You know, I, we're in this thing, and there was, you know, the hitman, and that was one angle, and then there was the girlfriend, and there was, you know, Butch, who was trying to get away. And then it just went into this weird thing of, you know, they, they, they go into this 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 pawn shop, and uh, so for the sake of the, the listeners, they're, Marcellus and, and Butch are, are fighting, and uh, Butch is about to shoot Marcellus, uh, and the, the owner says, oh, you're not doing that in my shop. So he takes them to the back of the shop and calls the... I was going to say sheriff, but I don't know who it is. Some police officer. They proceed to rape Marcellus while a guy in a gimp suit is like tied to the roof, watching over Butch. Uh, and then uh, Butch and Marcellus kill them. But it, I, it, I don't know. It just seemed like the movie up to that point seemed sort of normal. Did it make you uncomfortable, Jason? It, it did make me a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> it was just, it was just weird. I, I, I just found like Tarantino it, doesn't care. I, oh, I know. Well, I heard he has a foot fetish. So go figure. Oh, I have not heard that actually. Um, maybe he does. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it, it just took me out of the film bit. It was just, you know, I was just like, this is a weird diversion. Well, no, that that absolutely served a purpose. It squared Butch with Marcellus. Oh no, yeah, I, yeah, no, I, I, I get why it was in there. I just don't know if it had to be that weird but i mean whatever it's tarantino he likes weird shit if it was less weird it would be less memorable and that's my stance on it the two other things so one is i'm so i haven't seen any alfred hitchcock films 
And I know that he doesn't usually have speaking parts in his films. He just likes to make cameos, right? So Tarantino obviously appeared in this film. He he wasn't a major character, but he, you know, he played a part and he had lines and everything else. I'm a bit torn on whether directors should appear in their own films because he's not a professional actor. Don't watch any Orson Welles movies, man. <laughs> well, I was going to say, but like, not, and not that Tarantino's, not that he gave an awful performance or something, but I was a bit like, do you need to be in this movie? Like, you could have just got someone else to play the part. Because it wasn't a major part, right? You could, you could have just got some random actor in the play. And... I mean, it's a thing some directors are known for. I guess it doesn't really bother me. I don't know. I don't know. I just found it a bit like, not arrogant, but I was just a bit like, you didn't need to be in this film, bro. Like, just stay behind the camera. You know, like, you didn't need to be in it. I mean, Orson Welles has inserted, first of all, he's inserted himself into every major role of like all his movies, basically a couple times he's given in his older movies, he would give himself roles where he's supposed to put on an accent that he can't pull off. That's funny. So if that bothers you, <laughs> I've got a treat for you, bud. And then my, my final, I guess, point, and I guess I'll ask you this because you obviously have seen this film. I mean, this was my first time seeing it. You've obviously seen it before and you obviously, you know, I, I certainly liked it, but I'd say you like it more, more than I did. I mean, so I guess my question is, and I don't know if you can answer this, but I'm keen to get your opinion on it or thoughts on it, is what was the point of it? You know, what was what was Tarantino trying to communicate? Because that's what I didn't get. Like, I, I got the film. It's an enjoyable film. I liked it. You know, what what, what was he trying to get across? That's, that's what I struggled with. Uh, I'm not sure if it if it has a me- the message you're looking for in that way. Um, I feel like there's multiple ways to interpret a film, and, I you know, I wouldn't want to get stuck on one track so to speak a lot of you know my understanding was a lot of it was kind of a love letter to cinema you know going back of course to the the briefcase being like a MacGuffin, which is it which is shown as a like it's very um transparently a MacGuffin and is very easily visible as is just being that for the sake of being that this is always my thing there's some films i search for meaning and some films i know there's not a meaning right some films i know they're just an action movie designed to entertain you or they're a horror movie designed to scare you or they're a romantic comedy to make you cry or whatever i get that but there are some films and there are some filmmakers that i believe do whether explicitly or subvertedly, try to insert maybe message is the wrong word, maybe meaning is the better word. Um, you know, try to insert some meaning into their film. Um, and I feel like Tarantino is one of those directors. I don't feel like he makes mindless films to entertain the masses. I feel like he is trying to communicate something with the few films of his I've seen. But with this one, I was like, said maybe I'm reading too much into it. But I was, I came to the end and I was like, cool, that was a really good watch. What does it mean? I don't understand why it has to mean anything. I, I don't know. I mean, that's a bigger conversation, but <laughs> well, sure. But but you know, I I feel like that's actually kind of a limiting perspective. Um, no offense. I, I mean, you get stuff like uh, like filmmakers like Tarkovsky, for example, who were famous for saying that um, even though they look like movies where it's looks like it's steeped in meaning, like he's trying to scream a message at you, he he famously would would say over and over that no, it's it's purely your interpretation. Um, there, there's no real meaning behind any of it. Uh, I just want to make like great cinema. Um, the mirror that he made a, a movie that he, he made called the mirror is like a perfect example. It, I, I had no idea what it, what, what it meant or what the purpose was. And, you know, I had to look it up and, and if it had any, it, it was really just kind of a collection of nostalgic sort of experiences, um, like things that, that he lived through and he would kind of try to tell those stories like in an abstract way. 
but but there wasn't like a meaning there wasn't like a message um and i i don't know i he's you know Tar- or tarantino has always had that sort of exploitation film kind of fascination this movie if there's a point was that it was just kind of a a love letter to a lot of you know just hollywood isms that he has always been in love with and that he's always used really well uh, and to great effect in, in his own projects as well as just kind of like a, a masterful use of all these gimmicks and cliches i don't know it was just this exercise in art for me i don't think uh i don't think he's you know you're supposed to get to the end and be like oh wow like the you know save the planet i don't i don't know like no yeah i mean okay and that's just me i know i deliberately and intensely seek out meanings and messages in films that's what i look for and so if i get to the end of a film and i can't discern a message then i'm like well what was the point of that you know i said more so more so where i i feel like the film or the director is trying to communicate i said if it's something like you know a film i mentioned before die hard right Die Hard is just an action movie, right? It's, damn good. it's a damn good action movie, but it's just an action movie, right? Or, or something like, you know, Paranormal Activity, right? It's just designed to, to scare you because things are coming up on the video camera, you know? Like, but, but, but there are certainly films where I feel like, and filmmakers who I feel like, you know, they're trying to communicate something and and sometimes I don't get it. And thus, I get to the end of the film and I'm like, oh, well, what was that? So, I mean, I, I I did read a bit about Pulp Fiction and a lot of people said, oh, it was about, you know, American nihilism and, you know. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Ex- sort of that, thing. that but, uh, I've heard but, that before. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's a look, it, it was still a great film, in my opinion. There's a lot to unpack with it. Um, but, you know, you, you ultimately, as with any other interpretation of any artistic product, you take away from it what you will or what you saw or what you felt. And, and that was your experience. And and that's, you know, one of the great things is you you can kind of see what you want or what you need. And I wasn't looking for a particular message. Uh, I I just, I thought it was a great ride and just memorable. So should I move on to your pick? I don't know. Are you, am I going to like what you say <laughs> about it? Probably not. <laughs> it's a classic movie. Oh my God. Uh, okay. So my pick was, um, was it 95 that came out in? Uh, 97. Was it 97? Jesus. Okay. Uh, Starship Troopers. Uh, directed by Paul Verhoeven, uh, starring Casper Van Dien, Dina Meyer, Denise Richards, Jake Busey, Neil Patrick Harris, Clancy Brown, Michael Ironside. Just it goes on and on and on. It's got a lot of big actors who, some of them weren't big actors uh, when this came out. But I mean, can, yeah, can can I can I just say Jake Busey looks exactly like his father? No, they like they are. Image. It's crazy, actually. They yeah, yeah, it really is insane. He looks like he looks like a younger clone of Gary. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I I'm with you on that. It's freaky. Um, the the plot uh, it's set uh, in an unspecified amount of years in the future. It's it's a sci-fi movie, um, and humanity has sort of reached this almost utopia. Um, it's been um, compared to fascism, like sexy fascism, and I have more to say on that later. They get into a war with these sentient giant bugs that have colonized a part of the galaxy. And they basically have a way of throwing asteroids at our planet. And so we jump in all our big giant spaceships and we go and fight them. It's it's like an onion, this movie. Um, there are multiple layers. On the surface layer, it's just a big, dumb splatter fest of big, dumb jock soldiers with no tactics at all who just like swarm like the bugs they're trying to fight into fields and just 
blast machine guns after machine, these giant machine guns they can barely carry without falling over at these giant CGI bugs. And there's screaming and there's gore and no one ever fucking reloads. It's like a John Woo movie. But but then you go into deeper layers. It's actually I'm not qualified to necessarily make all the points that need to be made on this to, to make this, um, I guess, understandable or appreciable. But it is actually very clever commentary on fascism. Um, it really is. Uh, there's actually a number of like, um, video essays and articles that have been written about it, about really how clever of a satire it is. It's, it's a satire, it's a commentary, it's all these things. Um, but you, if you don't want to look past the surface level, you're still going to have fun. It's fun on that level as a big, dumb movie, even though like the science is garbage, the, the ta- the tactics are ridiculous. Like there, there are no tactics. Basically they just swarm out of drop ships and start blasting. Like that's all <laughs> it's funny as I, I'm picturing it as I talk about it. It's just funny. Um, but like, you know, the, the bugs can throw asteroids at our planet from, and they show like a simulation. Like it's literally the other end of the galaxy. And it would take a gajillion years to get here. But it's it it, it happens like over like a week. It, it, there's like a weird level where to get the most enjoyment out of it, you have to either not think about it or think about it a lot. You know what I mean? Um, but but there's there's just many ways to enjoy this film. Beyond that, it's very quotable. Um, it's just it's do would you like to know more? Uh, you know, the only good bug is a dead bug. Like there's a lot of overacting, which is part of its charm to me. The CGI for the bugs is really, really ahead of its time for the year this came out, uh, except for the giant lava bugs. Those look pretty dated. Everything else. Lo- I mean, I was watching it again. I was like, man, for the year, for 97, uh, a lot of movies have shittier CGI than this now. You know, it, it's really incredible how I, I don't know how much they got paid, but it wasn't enough. I don't know. It's just got a lot of great. So good. So bad that it's good performances. Um, some of them have been memed to death, like Neil Patrick Harris and Casper Van Dien. Um, again, it's, it's just over the top. It's ridiculous. It's so fun. But then at the same time, I've never seen a film that's like, so not held back by the bad parts about it. Like there's parts of this movie, which are just cheeseball B movie stuff, but it makes it great. It makes it what it is. I don't know. I, I don't think it's nostalgia talking. Um, you know, even though it's a big, dumb, stupid movie, if you're not thinking about it, um, you know, when they run out there and they're, they're like charging up a hill with these giant machine guns and like blasting and, but it has this great theme song and then the theme song kicks in and you get a little frisson, you know, you get a little shiver down the spine. It's, it's dumb, but it's cool. You know, (laughs) I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. All right, go ahead and, um. Say some nasty things about this movie I love. Go ahead. Piss off George. Piss off me. Piss off everybody, Jason. Let's hear it. With pleasure. <laughs> this this movie had a message. God damn it. This had a message behind it. And and the, the, Paul Verhoeven has talked about it. And it was so cleverly communicated that people write video essays about it over and over and over. So this had this had what you need, Jason. This had what you wanted. It's like you ask for a chocolate sundae and you get pissed off that there's chocolate in it. What the fuck is... Oh, my God. All right, what? What do you hate? What? Just fucking tell me. So I feel like... Because obviously it's based on a novel by Robert A. Heinlein. Yeah, and I I read the novel. I don't remember how... I don't remember it being a close adaptation, but it's been a long time since I read it. I probably need to read the novel to get a better grasp of 
what it was trying to say. Now, I do agree. I did pick up on that theme of fascism, but more for me, it was it was more like a class thing, you know, like a, a, a class warfare in a sense, you know, because there was like the citizens, but they're like below, you know, the the, the people who do military service. You know, the- I see what you mean, but the, the why it made sense in the universe is that that's an acceptable structure because there is a mechanism to rise above it there there's a mechanism of entry into the higher class and it has nothing to do with wealth like it was inferred that his parents were not citizens they were civilians but they were very wealthy like so that it's it's a different kind of class system um or castes no not a caste system but it's a different system but with mechanisms for advancement open to everybody Um, that's why it worked in that universe but again, it's it's like that's the sexy part. It's tricking you into admiring it and overlooking the problems by making you feel comfortable in the skin of a fascist. And I'm not doing it justice, but that's kind of the gist of it. Yeah, and even like you know the way they talk about the bugs, you know, I, I've, you know, I picked up on that was very like othering them, you know, and very like oh they're nothing. We're gonna wipe them out, sort of thing. So I I, I did pick up on those things. Okay, so okay, I'll say positive things first because you know I'll be nice. So <laughs> I do agree. The visual effects were very good. You never know, see CGI, and, and they were stupidly good for 1997. Holy shit! Yeah, so like that was really good. I thought the settings, you know, like you know the different whether it was the um, you know desert planet thing they were on on the spaceships. You know, I thought they were all good. Um, you know, the costumes were good. I liked all of that. What I didn't like was, yeah, it had a lot of action, but I just wasn't interested. I, w- I was honestly just bored for the whole time. And, like, I was watching it, and I was like, cool, I can see where this is going, and I see what's happening, but I, I just wasn't invested in the story at all, and I wasn't – it didn't hook me. You know, I, I, so, I sort of see where I, – I picked up early, like, where it was going, and I just wasn't interested. It just didn't – I was just bored the whole time. Come on, you ape. You want to live forever? <laughs> I'm just going to say one-liners at you until you like the movie. <laughs> no, this thing, I, I thought the dialogue... Would you like to know more? The di- No, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> the dialogue and the acting were so cringy. But 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 that's part of its charm. It, it embraced it and leaned into it and made it work for itself. I don't want to watch, like... Schlock B movies, like it's not. It doesn't interest me. I like. I want to watch good movies. I don't want to watch movies that are trying to be bad. Like no, just give me a good movie. It just didn't do it for me. And and also it was just too long. It was just too long. You just watched two and a half hours of Pulp Fiction. No, but that was interesting. That grabbed me. I Pulp Fiction interested me. I was hooked. Starship Troopers did not hook me. Then you cannot be hooked. I, I don't know unless you're prepared to be hooked. I'm so mad that you didn't like this movie. <laughs> I just, it's so likable. It's so charming. I wish George were here to, so we can just, you deserve to be ganged up on this one. This is ridiculous. I can let falling down go. No, 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 no. (laughs) Starship Troopers is awesome. And there's no more necessary defense than that. It's awesome. Well, I'm I'm glad you liked it. That's all I'll say. (laughs) I'm glad I liked it too. (laughs) <laughs> what so what what was your rating i don't even know if i want to. I, I don't actually have a rating yet i've got to think oh, yeah, about okay. it some more it, it'll probably be pretty low to be honest because i i gave it i think four and a half and then i'm like you know what no it's a five-star movie because you it's 
it it's the gift that keeps on giving. You can keep digging into this movie and finding more stuff. Is it designed to be comedic at times? It's supposed to be funny at times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I didn't laugh once. So it's not a comedy. No. No. I know. But yeah, there yeah. are parts where I think the the response, the 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 correct response, if there's a correct response, is to laugh. Um, some a lot of times it's at the absurdity of certain things. I don't know. I just i i I think it's great. I think it's a great, fantastic movie. I would say underappreciated, but everyone except you appreciates. <laughs> it's just a, now. Here's the thing: the sequels are dark shit because none none of the sequels got what the original was going for. Really, it they totally lost the vision and of what made it so great. I don't know. It's just this big, ridiculous, dumb movie that is actually very smart if you dig into it. Um, and, and that I, I think it's an accomplishment. And a lot, a lot of movies don't. Not a lot of movies get to say that. Get to have that kind of prestige. Um, how many big, dumb, stupid movies have that much depth? If you choose to dig into it, you can. You just get a totally different experience. Shall we move on to our final film, which hopefully we are more more in agreement? Yeah, since I can't jump through the microphone and attack <laughs> you, I guess we'll just we'll try and move on to the next phone. So this was George's pick. Uh, from the 50s, of course. Uh, 1953, directed by George Stevens. The film is Shane. Um, and actually, George and I also discussed a George Stevens film, I think, in our last episode, which was Giant. Stars Alan Ladd, Gene uh, Arthur, Van Heflin, and Brandon DeWild. Um, they're sort of the main characters. There's lots of other people, of course. Uh, the plot is... The Starrett family, which is Joe, Marion, and uh, their son, Joey, live on this homestead in the Wyoming Territory. There is a guy called Riker who is uh, like a cattle baron, and he's trying to get all the homesteaders in the area to move out uh, because he wants the valley for himself. And one day... A gunslinger called uh, Shane comes along. Um, it's never actually said where he's going. He just said, oh, I'm going north. And he just happened to come across the Starrett's farm. Um, and he sort of gets involved in, he ends up, you know, staying with them and works for uh, works for Joe. And he ends up getting involved, you know, in this dispute between, you know, the homesteaders and, and Riker and his gang. Sort of inserts himself into this. Uh, he gets into fights with um, someone called Chris who works for Riker. Um, you know, Riker and Joe end up, you know, fighting all of Riker's um, goons in the bar. Uh, two against, you know, two people against, you know, five, six, seven guys. It gets to a point where one of the homesteaders gets killed by um, another gunfighter that, that Riker brings in. And so then the homesteaders decide, well, you know, we've, we've had enough. Um, and they, they do all sorts of other stuff too. You know, they, they burn down a guy's house, ruin people's crops and different things. So Joe is determined to go off and, and kill Riker, but Shane stops him. Uh, and Shane Shane goes to meet Riker and ends up killing him and the gunfighter. And then quite literally, um, Shane rides off into the, the sunset. Done his duties, help them out, and then he rides off to his next adventure. I gave it four stars. I thought it was a great movie. I am a big fan of westerns. 
Um, so it definitely hit the spot for me there. What did uh, what did you think? It could have used more giant bugs and machine guns and fascism. All right. Now, um, seriously, though, I <laughs> I don't know if I have a rating for it. Um, 3.7 to 4, or sorry, 3.5 to 5, 4, I think. Um, it was a very good movie. Uh, I'm not much of a Westerns guy. I enjoy them usually when I see them. I just, not enough that I usually seek them out. Um, but it was, it was a very good movie. It ran a little bit against the grain in that there it didn't rely on all of the big exciting shootout scenes and horse chases and stuff. It was really much more of a slow burn. And you kind of know what to expect from this character. You get a vibe um, that there's there's just more to meets the more than meets the eye to him. But you see how badly he wants to be like good and like a, just a decent, hardworking guy, and and how bad he doesn't want to pick up the the gun anymore. What I liked about that is it used that to great effect, where you know they they spend so much time showing him avoiding conflict and all that stuff but then when he shoots the can you're like holy shit he's he's a great like he's amazing at this you know he's so fast he's so accurate etc cetera, etc cetera. uh and then it and then it, it sleeps again then he's under a rock again and, and you know you just know that he's ready to just cobra strike you know like if if anything if he needs to and he's got all this talent and and potential and stuff under the skin that he just keeps bottled up and when he shows his you know abilities that makes it much more effective than it would have been if they were spamming that over and over and over and over and over to try and make a buck off that action. So I thought that was very effective, very restrained, uh, a great approach to a Western. I think I, that kid was annoying. Something about that kid just annoyed me. I, yeah, I don't know. Some about him annoyed me. You are not a fan of child actors. I know. So <laughs> generally speaking, no, I'm, I'm not. And um, I don't know. This one, he just had this. He looked like he's never had a thought in his head. I don't like this. Just house on the prairie, like just blank, dead stare. Like, like he's just excited to be out of school, and that's the only reason he's there. I, you know, I don't know. It's something about it. Just, mm, I didn't, I didn't care for it. Um, it was, it was a very good movie. Um, I'm not like passionate about it, but I thought it was a very good movie. The guy, the guy who played the bad guy gunslinger, I can't remember his name, but he's. Um, that was uh, Jack Palance, who played Jack Wilson. Who's the? He was great for that role. Yeah, he he just looked. Yeah, he just looked intimidating and. Yeah, that like animal sneer. Like I don't know how to explain it. He was just menacing. He had this menacing smile, and you could tell he enjoyed killing people. You know, but at the same time, like I, you know, I like I like how both the main character and the way that um, some of the other characters talk about gunslingers, you know, there's, there's this big sort of sexy mystique behind the gunslingers. And then, you know, here's the, the, the regular hardworking folks who, who don't have a dog in that fight and they're sitting down on the dinner table going like, oh, they're, they're murderers. It's just, it's just murder with another name, if you ask me. And it kind of takes the air out of that balloon a little bit. It adds kind of a touch of, of realism that, you know, that they, they kill people, you know, they, they do murder people again not super passionate but i liked it i liked it a lot yeah i mean so i'd probably echo a lot of what you said i think you know all the acting performances were great i actually liked um joey who was played by brandon dewald i actually thought he was good i mean for a child yes i mean like there were so many elements of this film i thought were just really great um you know the script music the cinematography the you know beautiful scenery you know the costumes the sets it was all just ticked a box 
for me. It, it was similar. It's it, it's it's funny because it's sort of similar to Giant, and I said I'm only making this comparison because it's the same director. And that that's also a film that it's not exclusively about, but is sort of about like land rights as well, or like you know disputes about people owning piece of land or I want this piece of land off you and and it's like you said this isn't sort of your typical western you know there aren't big shootouts and, and everything else I mean there are you know at the end there is but even that is 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 quite small and 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 restrained and it has over very quickly right there's not a it, it, it's, it's not something like the wild bunch you know where there's this big massive gunfight at the end you know yeah like it, it's said there's not really that many gunfights because it's not particularly about that in my mind. It's more sort of about people have these homesteads and they build it and there's these cattle barons who want this and it's about, you know, greed in a time of like where you could be greedy and you could just say, I'm taking over this land and if you disagree, I'll kill you. Like we didn't have that now, but if that was like the Wild West, right, but you could just do that. So I, I think, you know, that it, it's interesting. You wonder like what life would have been like at that time because you could just go around and kill people with impunity in some senses. Like, you know, that, that gunfighter who Riker brings in, Wilson, he, he kills Tory, and nobody does anything. I mean, you know, he, he kills him in broad daylight in front of a, you know, in front of a saloon. Nothing happens, you know. Um, so I, I think it illustrated that time and perhaps the struggles of that time or, or, or some of the issues that people had to face at that time well. I do wish... But we got more of a backstory on Shane, only because I always desire backstories for characters, especially the characters that are interesting, like Shane, because he was an interesting person, right? The, it, it, it said if you look at the film, you know, in the sense of oh, it's, it's just a dispute about land and ownership, and you know what what are people's rights? And you know, people have fought hard to to you know bring themselves up and out of poverty, and they've got their own place, and you know, someone else is trying to take that over. That's sort of the, the thing of a film. The, the interesting person was Shane, right? because he was the person who inserted himself into this and he was this mysterious guy. So I do wish we'd found out more about him because he was the person I was sort of interested in. And and I don't know if, I mean, I don't think it was, but I felt like at times it was sort of intimated that Shane and Marion, who is Joe's wife, like they knew each other before or something. There were just a few little small moments where it seemed like more than... People, people who had just met, and 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 not there were any influences there, but there were a couple of moments where I was like, did these people know each other before? Look, the, the film was just over, oh, sorry, just under two hours, so it wasn't a long film, but I did feel like there probably were scenes that could have been cut out. They probably could have cut, you know, twenty minutes out of a movie, and it still would have been a great movie. I mean, the only other comments I had were, you know, that that fight scene I mentioned, where it's well, first of all, when it's um, just Shane against Chris, and then when it, Shane and Joe against the whole Riker gang, that was just um, you know ridiculous. But I guess, but it, it it was ridiculous in like of its time, you know, like that's how fight scenes were at that time. Uh, it just made me laugh because of how over the top it was. And also, can can everybody in movies die this quickly? Like this is what I want. I want people to get shot, bang, then they're dead. That's it. Not like they get shot and then they're, as they're dying, they're giving a five minute long speech. No, just just fucking die. You get shot, you're dead. That's it. Like I'm not interested. So this was um, you know, that's what I want in all movies. But I, I read that actually this was um, I don't know if it was the first, but it was one of the first films or one of the first Western films to show this sort of like graphic violence, which surprised me because I've not seen a whole ton of westerns. But 
I had assumed that they were sort of all like this, certainly, you know, in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. So, and like the violence wasn't, I mean, maybe for its time it was graphic. I didn't, you know, certainly by, certainly by today's standards, it's not graphic, but. I, I, I really just think of the punching, honestly, just they punch people in the face. I don't know. It's, it's not really violent. Yeah. Well, I guess they were talking more like people getting point blank shot sort of thing. I guess. I feel like it's, you have people laying in bed next to each other, not moving and you complain about it as a sex scene. I mean, with. <laughs> It's pretty tame, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said I, I didn't, I didn't think it was graphic, but apparently this was quite daring for its time and what it, what it showed. So um, that was interesting. But yeah, look, great pick, great western, good pick, George. You know, keep your good picks coming. We want more picks like this and not the ones that I don't like. So <laughs> I think that wraps up episode twenty five. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love it if you could give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And we'll see you next week.